You can hear Above 180 while on the go with StitcherSmartRadio.com. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Above180.com, you have a chance to win some money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. Download it. It's free, and it just takes a few seconds. Then, during registration, hit the promo code box and enter BOWL, B-O-W-L, to get automatically entered to win $100. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too, always available to you on demand, no syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code BOWL when you register. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today is Tom Clark. Tom is a commissioner of the PBA. You can follow Tom on Twitter at ClarkPBA. Tom is very active on there, very engaging with the fans. So if you ever have a question, something you want to ask Tom, Tom is always willing to answer you. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Great to always be here. Thanks again for, for asking me to come on. Well, Tom, I thought we'd begin uh, just kind of doing a review. Uh, and we, we're going to sit down and chat for two, two shows we're going to do, kind of start things out with last year and, and how you thought the season went from your perspective and then move our way forward all the way to preview what's coming up this year with the World Series of Bowling. So getting right into things, how do you think things went last year, ending the tour and then the summer series, uh, the Chicago event, and, and everything moving forward? Well, uh, the first thing that comes to mind whenever I look back at years is that our players always deliver. I mean, they're, no matter what is thrown at them, no matter what happens with our schedule or our formats or, or how things play out um, from, a, from an economic standpoint, um, the players, the top, the greatest players in the world, when they get together uh, for a tournament, it always delivers excitement. And, I mean, you know, you can't, who, who will ever forget the U.S. Open, obviously, with Pete Weber and his win and, and going to his fifth U.S. Open at the age of 49 and being the strike on the last ball and getting it. I mean, that was uh, that was a moment that will stand for all time, and, you know, that happened last year. Um, you know, and then and then I think probably the greatest storyline of the year is, is points towards the future, and that was the player of the year race. I mean, when you look at Sean Rash, Jason Belmonte, and, and Mike Fagan and the way they kind of went at it all year long and, um, uh, you know, and the power, the, the different styles of their games, obviously a two-hander in there. You have Fagan's really unique backswing and, and all the different things that he does, and from, from wearing a sneaker on one foot to using a sarge 
uh, gripped. <laughs> you know, he's got his own style too. And and then you look at Rash and the and the combination of power and and speed that that he puts on the ball and the way he's just dominated at every age of the game. And they and they all just kind of they all kind of came together last year and and um, and they they rose the level of each other's games and and also the level of everybody else because I don't know how you go out on the PBA tour and not have those three guys in the back of your mind and realize, you know, i got to deal with them, so I've got to work on, on my game. And, and um, you know, they've elevated the sport, and, and I, I shouldn't be underrated. I mean, they've got a combination of power and, and accuracy and a new approach uh, and a worldly approach to the game. They've been all over the world for several years now, and that kind of experience is all coming together and, uh, you know, that was a great race, and obviously it was the closest player of the year race we've ever had. And, and um, so, you know, you think of those, those things and you say, wow, you know, we've got some great players and we've got some great personalities, and, uh, and that's something to build on. With as viable a product that the PBA has to offer, and, and I agree that there's nothing more exciting than a, than a close PBA finals, uh, why has it been so difficult to secure big-name sponsors that have enough money to kind of help the PBA Tour survive and prosper? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I wish I had the exact answer because if we had the answer, we'd, we'd have the sponsors. I mean, we have, a, we have some that are incredibly valuable to us, uh, you know, such as Geico, and, um, and they're, they're really important this year and, and moving forward. But, but uh, um, you know, why that is is a mystery to me. Now, there are there are clear reasons you can point to, um, but I, I just refuse to to believe that there are absolutes. For example, um, our demographics and the people that uh, pay the most attention to bowling they tend to be they tend to skew older than some other than most other sports actually, and so when your average age viewer is is higher than other sports, sometimes that can that has the potential to turn off sponsors. Um, you know, sometimes we're plagued by our, our one of our strengths, which is our history, and a, a lot of people have a uh, have a notion of what of what pro bowling is, and um, and they tend to make their decisions based on that. And they and for whatever reason, they might believe that it's uh, it's past it's past it. Kind of like how people feel about uh, boxing or horse racing or other sports that were really big. Um, you know, decades ago that they kind of have fallen off, but they're still great sports. You know, it's just, it's just that sometimes people are looking for the new and, and we still have a great platform on ESPN and, and we, and we still deliver really solid ratings. Uh, and, and as you say, and, and as we all agree in bowling, the, the, the action is exciting. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it obviously hasn't attracted sponsors on its own. You know, can we do a better job selling? You know, I think absolutely, and and that's one of the major changes this year is we've gone to a different uh, sales group, and uh, there's, it's a team of uh, team of people that actually have offices up in Portland, Maine, and uh, and Jeff Reese, our C, our new CEO, and I had just went up there a couple weeks ago and met with met with the group and to see where they were, and it's pretty exciting stuff. I mean. Uh, you know they've they've got they've got some nice uh, new plans on how to approach potential sponsors. Uh, they've got a lot of good contacts and a lot of meetings that have already happened, and some that are that are imminent. And uh, you know I, I think it's a positive step 
towards uh, towards filling that 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 most critical role of making professional bowling successful, which is sponsorships. Because you know, as you know, our sport can't survive on entry fees. You know, our sport can't survive on membership dollars. Uh, our sport can't survive, and I'm talking about on a on a national television level. I mean, it can it can survive at a different level. But at the level that we all want it, these things can't support it. Tickets, ticket sales is not going to support you know professional bowling uh, like it can in other sports. Um, so, so the, the the corporate sponsorship is the the key, and that's why you see you know different changes that you see uh, you know almost every year. Sometimes it's reactionary to what level of sponsorship we can we can get, so that we know what our budget is and what we can do. And then other times it's proactive in order to create things that could be more attractive to sponsors. And attracting more sponsors, Tom, is the invention of the World Bowling Tour, the fact that you guys are going more overseas, is that something that you think is going to help with sponsors? Is that kind of one of the things that they're looking for? Is the availability to appeal to a worldwide audience as opposed to just a a stateside audience? Well, that's a good question. It's certainly... certainly, uh, Helps. I mean, it's a great um, it's a great talking point in any sales pitch because you know for whatever reason the decision makers uh, at different companies and the, and the chief marketing officers and the and the media buyers um, they're not that familiar with the sports side of bowling. I think that the recreational side of bowling is so popular and that they're also aware of of that side of the game that they're not really aware of of the sports side and. So when you can point out that there are great, you know, players from, you know, so many different countries and that we had winners last year on the PBA Tour, we had eight different tournaments won by international players and that they're coming from Europe and Australia and Asia, um, it, it's an eye-opener, you know. So, so for, one, for one, the World Bowling Tour and, and our schedule, including uh, the, those kinds of opportunities, helps there. It also, you know, obviously improves our brand, you know, internationally. And, and the people overseas, they, they, they have a lot of respect and, and, uh, and they put a lot of prestige on the uh, PBA. And so, you know, they're becoming members of the PBA. Um, and, and that's another area where that, where that really helps. And it also just helps our, our players, you know, and their individual brands and widens Excuse me. They, it widens our fan base in a way that uh, you know has never happened in the history of the game. You know, we this World Series coming up. We've got something like sixty players from uh, international, from outside the U.S., and um, that is unprecedented. I mean, it's from from sixteen or seventeen different countries this year, and they're coming to bowl a PBA tournament. I mean, for all of our lives as fans of the PBA, there was one or two international players each year. And there was Amleto, you know, or Max Carlson, and then Mika. And there was kind of like one guy throughout the last three or four decades. And now it's, uh, it's an endless list, and, and that's only healthy for the sport. It's a healthy image to project when you're talking to sponsors. And, yeah, they can then reach people in different countries uh, in ways that they never could before. So, yeah, it, it can only help. Matt's Carlson, boy, you're dating yourself, Tom. Uh, I remember him. He was kind of a straight player, I believe, Sweden or Norway. Kind of a low-round yeah, guy, but a shot maker. 
yeah, yeah, he was he was awesome. You know, you, you kind of you, you get a lot of respect for people that can uh, can play a game and come from that far away with that kind of upbringing, bring it to the place where you know the game is played at the highest level and where people grew up with it, and be able to kind of immediately compete. That is very very underrated. I mean, and as you know, like when it, when Amleto you know, joined, that wasn't easy for him at, right at first. You know, he had to learn a few tricks, but um, but uh, Carlson and, and then Mika, I mean, these are guys that they kind of had it when they first came, you know, and it's, that's, that's a level of talent that people really can't even imagine because it, it's just more difficult, you know. You watch our guys go overseas, and, and, and I actually get even more respect for what they can do, you know. Chris Barnes, the last few weeks, he's he bowled in about four different countries and three different continents and came in second, first, first. You know, <laughs> when you can win anywhere uh, and, and put yourself through that much uh, travel and, and stress, uh, it's uh, really doubly impressive. Right. You know, a number of years ago, Tom, when the PBA decided to develop and begin the exempt tour, I thought it was kind of a... I had mixed thoughts about that, if it was going to work or not, you know, eliminating some of the top amateurs. Uh, what transpired in the last year or so to cause the PBA to change that, uh, you know, your, your tour standings from exempt to non-exempt where it's not open to everyone? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it really was out of a, for a bunch of different reasons, you know. I mean, it, it's kind of been, it's, as exciting as it's been to to change things up and to open open things up and let more people uh, compete, uh, at the same time, you know, you realize there's been too much change and there's been too much, um, you know, it's just a little confusing not only for players but fans and how to follow the action and that's why we need a we need a sweet spot. But you know, it's, you kind of have to almost step back and and and. You know, for me and, and for for really all of us at the PBA, in a perfect world, you know, we've got 26 weeks of straight of tournaments, and we go to 26 different cities, and we have a live show every week, and we bowl a standard format every week of, you know, 18 qualifying games and 24 match play games, and and um, get down to the top five for a stepladder show, and and we keep that, and we do that every single week. I mean. I, I do want people to know that in a perfect world, that's what we would do. I mean, and that makes everything consistent, easy, st- historical. Um, it gives the fans across the country a chance to meet and watch the players. Um, you know, that's that would be the perfect the perfect situation. And so knowing that we know that's the perfect situation and wish we could do it, but we don't, you know, that kind of tells you that it doesn't it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work financially. Um, and so you have to you have to change, and I think that that first idea that that the new PBA had to well let's elevate the stars that we have and, and make them the traveling show and and actually give them some income um, so that they were competing almost almost as if they were sponsored by the PBA in a way um, to, to to elevate you know their their own status and and their own personal brands and. Um, you know, was a was a good idea, and it also was 
was pretty uh, aspirational for a lot of people that would try out to make that tour because it was kind of like a guaranteed uh, guaranteed living for a few years. And, you know, they invested a lot of money in that plan. And, and what happened was through, over the years, if the investment didn't necessarily pay off, you know, economically, you know, you had to, you had to alter the way that the tour was held and, and how many places you could go. And, and pretty soon, if you're not going to as many places, a exempt tour doesn't make as much sense as letting as many people as, as possible compete. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's not really where you, anybody sits down and says, um, okay, now today we're not going to do this, or now we're going to do this. It, it's really evolutionary, you know, and, and as things happen, some on purpose, some you have to react to because it's either bad news about the economics or you know, sometimes we're, we're right on the, sometimes it's bad luck too, you know, you're, you're right on the brink, you're, the new PBA was about to start with its, with its uh, new formats and new television approach and, and then September 11th happened, you know, and then they, they kind of got knocked back and they had to cancel a week and start over and the economy was weird and people were, counting, were only talking about other things. You know, and then all of a sudden, then right around 2008, we we really did so well from a from a media standpoint. We grabbed so much attention um, in, in the media, and that was really my whole goal coming into PBA was how can I get us uh, more uh, more respect from the national media and more attention so that that exposure would turn into dollars. And and man, we had a lot of attention for for about a year and a half, and. And then all of a sudden the, the economy, you know, kind of craters, and, and that's all anybody's talking about. And our, our sales agency at the time, you know, ends up having to, you know, kind of dismantle. And, uh, and then we have to switch sales agencies in the middle of a tough economy. And, you know, so these things kind of happen to you that, that most people don't, don't know or follow. And, and when you're struggling to begin with, I mean, we've, the PBA and professional bowling has really, you know, struggled. 20 years. I mean, it was essentially, you know, it was essentially canceled on on ABC, where the, the ABC, you know, relationship and and the weekly show that we all loved, you know, that was the really the lifeblood of the PBA for its for its entire existence. So, being off the air there by the late 90s and having a few rough years, even even before it went off the air, obviously. Um, you know, puts puts the sport on on its heels and puts it in a position where it has to really scrape and claw. So we're just fighting every day to figure out magic, you know, magic potions and give ourselves a chance to get back up there. And and things like the World Bowling Tour, uh, things like the World Series of Bowling that that kind of helps us create efficiencies and help really create this this global game. But when you when you look at the the international participation and what's happened. Um, and then things like this new uh, team concept that we've just announced, you know, they're all efforts to, to attract sponsors and make things more efficient to keep us alive and give us a chance to get back to where we all want to be. Well, Tom, uh, again, joining us is Tom Clark, the commissioner of the PBA. Tom, you hit on a, a couple things here that I, I want to follow up with. The first one being the schedule was released in the summer, Bowl Expo, I believe. What has been the feedback from the bowlers going with the longer, you know, longer swing this year, in, including a lot of the, the overseas events. I know one of the things that uh, I came up last year in bold, uh, bold, I wish, watched the U.S. Open up in, uh, in uh, New Jersey. 
was I heard from some of the players, they said, uh, these overseas tournaments are great, but I, I can't make it. I mean, your your guy in the top 20, not a top 10 bowler, not your Belmo, your Chris Barnes, like you mentioned, your Michael Fagan, Sean Rash. They said, I, I can't afford to go overseas because my expenses are so crazy. What what are you hearing from the bowlers regarding that uh, the, the new format that you guys are going to and the, the new schedule that you guys have? Yeah, you know, well, the, the um, yeah, there's, the international part first. I mean, I absolutely uh, we're w- well aware of the fact that it's just it's a, it's really expensive to be able to do that, and there's only going to be you know that 10 to 15 guys that can really do it right now, and and even them they are going to struggle not only from a financial standpoint, but as we were talking about, it's a grind. I mean, it's it's a real grind to. It's not like going from Illinois to Indiana. I mean, it's it's going from Thailand to uh, you know. Austria, so it, it's uh, it's, diff- it's very difficult, and I think that we have to look at it like these are the growing stages, and if and if these guys who we really want to reward with with the fact that they are uh, they are spreading the PBA brand and and helping the game globally, you know, we want to reward them with things like PBA titles, and um, you know, it's 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 the growth period of this kind of global game and so it's going to be tough that's, so it's kind of like guys you're, you're kind it, of taking you know? and and hopefully it gets to the point where it'll be closer and it won't ever be at the level but closer to like tennis you know and in, in same thing in tennis you know it's not like all the u.s players travel through asia and play professionally i mean a lot of them choose to just play the atp tour in the usa and, and that's what they can handle um and I think you'll just see that there's just more options. And if you want to be a professional bowler, like a kid like Josh Blanchard who's coming up and just gets out of Wichita and he's a great player, you know, now there is, there is a, a map. There's a road map that's all year long. And, yeah, it's challenging, but you can do it and you can go for it. And uh, that's better than, it's better than nothing, let's put it that way. Um, the... Uh, and the other question you said was really good too about um, just wondering what the players' feedback was as far as the, the oh, longer yeah. schedule. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, they. I think it took a little while to get used to, but the idea of the World Series concept, where you go to one site and be able to compete for multiple titles, um, is has become attractive. Uh, at least for several reasons. There's always going to be some things people don't like about that. But the idea that that, that kind of a, of a tournament, a World Series concept, exists is, is a winner. I mean, obviously, we just sold out the World Series, and uh, with, we've got 30 or so people on standby. I mean, the, the worst thing about it is I wish everybody could bowl. And that's just PBA members, and we're selling out at 240 you know, entries into that thing. And the great thing about this year's schedule is that there's essentially three World Series of bowling. We have a, a winter swing coming up in January, where again it's one it's one city, one one and a half weeks, and multiple titles on the line and multiple opportunities. And then in the spring, we also have another tournament that we're going to be announcing really soon. That uh, that is, is similar too. There's going to be one city, you know, multiple lo- locations within that city, and multiple titles, and uh, and that kind of a, 
a bunching up of of competition with less travel is appealing to the players. It's also appealing to our our product registered companies and and to fans because it creates more television than than the previous years and uh, and also much better than last year where a lot of our television was was getting pretty stale at the end of the year because it was taped so many months before. Now with these with these different um, meets um, strategically placed in the calendar, the shows don't really get that stale. So you know there's there's some uh, there's some benefits to that. I think then and they 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 want to know that the major championships are continuing. The players do and and they know those are those are available to them. And so I think they're looking at this year more positively than than last year and maybe even more so than the last couple of years but we all have our our concerns i mean and obviously we usually we usually uh, focus in on the concerns well tom and this is why i said at the beginning of the interview that we're going to do this in a two-parter because we only scratch the surface on everything so our second interview we're going to wrap things up right now with tom clark commissioner of the pba again you can follow tom on twitter at clark at Clark PBA. We're going to wrap things up right now. Coming up next week, though, we're going to hit on some other great topics. Tom, you just talked about. We'd love to get your thoughts on uh, the, the team concept that you mentioned and also uh, the ball registering. You brought up that. There's been some news with that that's been making a little bit of headlines. So we're going to hit on that coming up in our, in our next interview next week. So make sure you tune in for that. For Tim Berg, Joe Serrar, Tom Clark, good luck and good bowling. <laughs>